again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, another Oscar race checkpoint. We can't get out of France. We're going to try. We're going to try <laughs> to leave Can 2023 behind with this episode. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. Yeah, we figured we needed another Oscar race checkpoint to discuss some of the Cannes Film Festival fallout. Uh, we also want to catch up a little bit in this episode with some box office, a lot of trailers to review, a big story that we, we missed uh, when we had that week-long sabbatical, so a lot going on. Plus, we got a lot of film studies to come. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, rave reviews right now, Michael, 97% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Past Lives, all the way back since Sundance, 95%, uh, both uh, on the tomato and the Metascore. And then uh, I think we'll touch on both of those film studies when we can, as soon as we can. My guess is Spider-Verse first, and then... Eventually, we'll get to past lives when it comes to Connecticut, but it's not coming to Connecticut this week. I'm very upset. Yeah, past lives is playing. It seems like it's playing New York and Massachusetts. It's just hopping around us. It's not going to be playing uh, Connecticut anytime in the uh, near future, at least. I, but I it think at some point it makes come sense a little bit because I was waiting for the platform releases to come back, and this seems like a more moderate expansion to try and build more buzz. Maybe maybe more conservative from A24 and that could that could do it like i'm i'm at a fever pitch i may even go to new york i'm going to new york i may go early to tribeca and just like catch this like at 10 a.m somewhere next weekend if it doesn't come to us by then but didn't i mean aren't we just off a24 having a successful launch of an oscar movie early in the year that yeah. played everywhere like should they play, I, but they, they did put this out everywhere they did platform for like two weeks i remember covering this a few times where they played like new york very small for a week, and then they expanded to some states and cities, but not all. I think they're trying to follow a, more of the EEAAO blueprint with past lives to an extent, right. perhaps. Well, I don't know. That's that's on the horizon for us. Uh, for the meantime now, in the interim, to start this episode, we can try to put Cannes behind us once and for all. 2023 Cannes Film Festival, we're going to recap some of our uh, favorite critics and journalists here and tell you what they had to say to us about Ken, and we'll start with the Lord himself, Scott Feinberg. Uh, wasn't wasn't really all that positive about the Ken offerings this year, or at least the uh, the slate of films. This is from his latest with THR. Quote, needless to say, it is not the mandate of the Ken jury, which this year included the likes of Paul Dano, Brie Larson, and the recent Palm d'Or winner Ruben Austin. By the way, Mike, uh, got a uh, email from, from a listener here, mm-hmm. uh, Isaac, who told us that uh, because it's it's pronounced Palm d'Or, like, uh, like, like, like door, like a door. You're open, and not Dior, and that's why the Palm Dog makes sense, and not the Palm Dog. Oh, well, there you go. I said I, I, I thanked him for the email and said we pride ourselves on our mispronunciation anyway. So you know that what? Makes sense. Uh, that's that's one of the more valuable emails we've gotten in a long time. <laughs> I appreciate it, and I need more of those. And yes, we're learning to speak French one 
film festival at a time. <laughs> so I, pre- I, I love that as well. Scott also goes on to mention Julia Durkinow as part of the uh, can jury there. Uh, quote, to try to presage the Oscars rates. It's not the can responsibility, he says. But it is still noteworthy to me that after several years in a row of considerable overlap between the picks of can- the can jurors and the picks of the Academy, most notably when Parasite won the top prizes of both, it seems unlikely that will, there will be much, if any, this year. Well, that's that is certainly uh, the takeaway I had from Scott's uh, Hollywood Reporter article as well. I think uh, other pundits and beat writers are a bit more cautiously optimistic. Ann Thompson from IndieWire, a bit more bullish on the Oscar chances coming out of Cannes, and she actually led with another film, The Zone of Interest. Scott was focused more on Anatomy of a Fall, but mm-hmm. The Zone of Interest won the Grand Prix, which, quote, is essentially second place, setting up the A24 project for a bright future beyond the festival. The German-language production could wind up as an international Oscar submission for the UK, while the impeccable craft of the movie could set it up for other major categories, including Best Director and Best Picture. All of that's from Ann Thompson. We said it first. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we... Well... Maybe we did. I don't know. That's just me being stubborn and playing a part. We heard Uh, Buzz first, and we we made bold... At, well, you know, it, overly confident, you know, proclamations. You're right. Right. Well, it goes to reason, right? It goes back to what we said, that if Zone of Interest is going to be, if anything's going to be a big player in international feature, recent track record for the Academy says they're going to be a major player probably in at least one other category Here's what we're well. great at. We're great at predicting what we're going to aggregate from yes. all of the experts. <laughs> and then we're really especially good at summarizing and therefore <laughs> aggregating what the experts say. I thought you were going to say uh, taking credit. That's undue uh, yeah. to us. Well, that's, yeah, that's what we're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yes. uh, Clayton Davis goes on. He has a breakdown there of how uh, Zone of Interest as well could be a, a player in the Oscars international feature category and could uh, be a submission of either the U.K. or Poland, uh, which is kind of interesting, even though that uh, the film itself is spoken German. Hmm. So, but I, I don't know what that means. I mean, could Germany have a piece of that too, or not? I don't think so. Clayton described it, uh, and he went back over the rules. Base basically that you, your film has to be produced by and financed by essentially the the, the countries of origin, mm. or your crew has to be made up predominantly of people who hail from that country. So, German is a spoken language in the film but it's mostly a Polish crew with UK and Polish financing. So Ann Thompson seems to be leaning towards a UK submission there. That would make sense because UK submissions can only be done if it's in a language other than English, I believe, or predominantly in a language other than English. So the zone of interest is is something that Clayton tabbed as an early front runner, in fact, an international feature. And I think that's because... A lot of people hear that it's going to be a U.K. entry, possibly a Poland one. All right. That makes a lot of sense then. Yeah. Finally, we'll transition into one more reviewing the reviewers segment. And uh, I want to do that by way of Matt Neglia's piece on the awards contenders to emerge from can at nextbestpicture.com, where Matt went movie by movie to discuss the international feature plays, several of the best picture possibilities like Asteroid City and Killers of the Flower Moon. And yes, the movie that we're going to talk about right now, a definitive animated feature contender in Pixar's Elemental, which Matt called, quote, a return to form for Pixar in many ways. However, Michael, 
this is something we've been covering, and, and Matt's certainly aware of the polarization here as well. Elemental falls in that Bermuda Triangle of canned first reactions. Last week, Elemental received a five-minute standing ovation. Which means it might as well have not been made. If you've listened to our canned coverage, you know what's coming next. If you haven't, I'll, I'll repeat myself here. The five-minute rule, the five-minute standing ovation rule for prestige film festivals. As far as major film festival premieres and their standing ovations go, if you're over five minutes, it's an amazing movie. If you're under five minutes or less, if you're under five minutes, generally garbage. <laughs> Over five minutes standing ovation, Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel. Under five minutes standing ovation, Vincent Van Gogh's ear. <laughs> Over ear. five minutes, Celtics in game six against the Heat. Uh, under uh, five minutes, Celtics in game seven versus I'm the Heat. Sorry. I'm still not over it. No. Yes, how dare you. <laughs> over five minutes, you are Succession's final season. <laughs> under five minutes, you're the Game of Thrones final season. Oh, just so no. I have a, a gauge here. Oh, no. Be still, my heart. Elemental has also gotten some polarizing reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. 58% an early score there on 14 reviews. The meta score is a 56. So I really love that Matt's sticking out uh, in this film review cycle here, and he's banging the table, so to speak, for Pixar's Elemental's awards uh, case here. I'm rooting for Matt to be right, certainly, and I'm going to see the U.S. premiere at Tribeca next week of Elemental, so I'm, I'm, I, I have a vested interest in the film doing well. Despite my own worries, just based on you know the the episode we did with Swell and the fact that uh, I'm a pervert and all of that, but <laughs> yes. anyway, Elemental will warm your heart and move you to tears. Uh, from Matt Neglia there at NBP, that's his poll quote. Howard Mincer of the Hollywood Reporter: The elements all fit perfectly into place, so much so that the creative flames are doused, Ooh. and we're left without much of an impression. Yeah, I, the fifties. I mean, if it's if the critics are saying it, and the the Metascore, which is also polling certain critics, there's still hope for it, right? I mean, there, we talk about a movie later that's like a fifty percent, but it does a ninety percent audience score. It's an audience pleaser, so that's at least a path for it to make money, which I'm sure Elemental will do. How do you feel about? 50 percenters toss-ups right now in the rotten tomato age of film receptions michael i i i kind of get excited by them when they come out because i don't know i mean i guess you You could think about excited by them well you could think about it as all right i can go in with a clean slate literally because half the people like it half the people don't or do you hedge the fact that so many people over enjoy these films because, you know, as Eric Weber calls them, names of, of various degrees like shills, that maybe people are more predisposed, especially at a film festival setting, to like movies. Uh, because, you know, they're, they're literally walking down the red par- carpet to go watch them. They're overpaying to go see them. They're, or they're, you know, press passed in or whatever. And they're, they're just given a really grand film viewing experience. Do you, do you look at a 50 percenter and say... I want to make up my own mind on that, or do you say, "Uh-oh"? I, I, it's a, it's an interesting question. It really depends on context, I guess. Like it depends. It depends on, I guess, my predisposition as to whether I want to like the film or not, <laughs> which is a totally unfair answer. But it's kind of like where I land. Matt, look, we, we we've been cross promoting Next Best Picture since our beginning, and they've been really, uh, really kind to us uh, yeah. through Matt Negley sure. since the beginning, uh, OGs in that regard. And, and Matt's 
that one of the reasons why we do that so much is because our tastes kind of align. I mean, Matt's an Italian guy from the East Coast. I'm an Italian guy from the East Coast. We kind of, <laughs> you know, uh, so I, that's why I'm thinking maybe Elemental is much better than I, I feared, obviously. And I think uh, I think the the latest trailers, the animation has been so pristine. Maybe they finally got all the got all the VFX finished and, and kind of. Uh, you know, they put the veneer on that. I mean, that looks like real water in all the trailers of late. It, it's just tremendous. It's like Avatar levels of, of water, especially compared to The Little Mermaid that I just watched. It's not going to fuck you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> as much as you want those things in that movie to bang. <laughs> I had a ethical dilemma here because I want good stories about immigrant parents. I want those. And Matt says that this is what Elemental is. But I I'm had, sure, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll be a Pixar movie, right? right. I just had reservations going into the my disbelief on the, the storyline, the premise. Right. I just don't know if it's going to... Generally, I mean, talk about the review scores. A 50, and at least the critic side, usually means that we can back off awards expectations for it. Mm-hmm. Usually. However... Usually. It does, not always. Yeah, last year, Elvis came out with a similar reception at Cannes, wound up being an 80%er. A couple years before that, Jojo Rabbit, very similar polarizing reception mm. at, uh, at uh, Venice, I believe it was. And then... Or maybe it was Toronto first. I can't remember. But Jojo Rabbit eventually becomes a bona fide contender. Matt seems to think that it, this could be an even 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 a low key best picture contender. Elemental. He talked yeah, about it. Pixar. And, yeah, he talked about it, and maybe Pixar returning to form and getting back into that best picture ten. So I was I was blown away by how uh, how strong he felt about it, and I'm excited. I'm really excited because I'm going. I think it's like a one p.m. At the big BMCC Tribeca premiere hall, I cannot wait to see it now there because that's going to be the red carpet for it. So I'm I'm excited. Anyway, we'll we'll hit on one more film in terms of reviewing the reviewers, and it's a movie that we are both excited about. Cobweb, directed by Kim Ji Woon, starring Song Kang Ho. Kim Ji Woon, of course, of I Saw the Devil. This was the cool ass premise about the director wanting to remake the ending of a beloved film mm-hmm. of his growing up called Cobweb. And he's kind of remaking the ending of the film, in a, not in a remake sense, just shooting it on his own. However, only one of three reviews right now in Rotten Tomatoes are positive, Michael. But, again, it's only three reviews, right? I mean, right. It's carrying a 33%. Uh, we have James Motram of South China Morning Post says it's far too indul- indulgent. The lengthy 135-minute running time is not m- not merited. I can't speak today. A much crisper, leaner story would have served the humor far better. That's uh, a bummer. This is listed as a comedy and drama. It also does have very few reviews on IMDb, just 38, but it's carrying a 6.9 right now there, so... Probably too early to tell any kind of consensus on that. Look, we're not can experts. I don't know if you've right. realized this. However, <laughs> there is a long tradition at Can that I've I've become aware of of some later festival films those last few days. Mm-hmm. Not usually received as strongly. People are worn worn out. So it's not like the films necessarily are bad, but th- there is a, a war of attrition. At these, you know, 10-day, 14-day-long film festivals sometimes. That's why I don't want to hear anyone ever giving me gruff about not going to a film festival, because eventually you all get to my mental state anyway. 
Yeah, you're you're like day two. Day I go you... I go in with the day fourteen mindset. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's wrap up Can with a talk with some talk about their acquisitions and a lot of packages and promos were were purchased, etc. We're not going to get into that. I mean, Paddington in Peru is going to be Sony, but uh, a lot of cool stuff purchased. We're, we're going to talk about the films that actually premiered this year. Can Neon bought Anatomy of a Fall, I believe, before. Uh, the, the festival started. That, of course, is the Palm Door winner. Neon also bought Robot Dreams. And most recently, with the exclusive from Feinberg, I believe, Perfect Days, the Best Actor winner, uh, Mr. Yakamura there. So Neon getting a haul. Netflix bought May, December, as we covered. Mubi. Mubi has become a bigger and bigger player, Michael, yeah. in recent years. They bought Fallen Leaves, The Settlers, and the, the Delinquents. And then before the festival started, I believe 824 bought the zone of interest. Uh, finally, a short film that we didn't cover that we probably should have, starring Ethan Hawke and Pedro Pascal from Pedro Almodovar. Everybody's demanding that this film become a feature, Strange Way of Life. Uh, I heard nothing but good things. Sony Pictures Classics is actually going to exhibit that short. Yeah, they know how to uh, campaign for Oscars, too, obviously. Sony Pictures Classic, you would think that one's going to be a, uh, a live-action short contender, I would think. I would hope. Um, so, A24 and Neon are the two that stick out to me, and movie, like you said, is making moves. Uh, remember when we we heard they bought Decision to Leave last year? We are like, what is movie doing? Since mm. when is movie buying things? And now they're expanding their portfolio there. That's cool to see. They're becoming a, a threat. Man, do I want this as a job. Just, just be the guy that goes to the film festivals and makes bids on all these random movies. You just want to make bids. Yeah, that's it. I but, love seeing people's breaking points. Yeah, but you don't want to watch all the movie. You don't no, want to watch no. 100 movies to find three. So you Absolutely want me not. to watch 100 movies to find three, and then you want me... So this is this is you're just giving me all this work again. This is this is not what you want. You so you want you want to pay me a pittance to watch all the movies, and then I'll tell you which uh, ten movies I liked. You'll pick three of those ten, and then you'll get to bid on them, which is what really what you want to do. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what I could do. Like, <laughs> what's the deal you're gonna cut for me? Right now? <laughs> if, no, it's not. If I guarantee you, if we could all just wait until these movies first debut. Uh huh. And I could just get a, a, a sense of the zeitgeist and the vibes and, like, read the review scores. And I could tell which 50s aren't really 50. Like, I could do that. I could, I, And I'd, be, I'd get a great library of films for my studio. I promise you. I, I, uh, I don't think that's how it works. You have, to, <laughs> you have to watch these things months, if not years, in advance. <laughs> but, yeah, you, you could read the zeitgeist. You're good at that. <laughs> You're also strangely good at gambling, which is... Sometimes, not lately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes you you dupe me into thinking you're very yeah. good at gambling. All right. Speaking of gam- things you gamble on, the NFL mm. has made an exclusive deal with Peacock for a 430 wildcard game on January 13th. That's a Saturday. This is the... This is the biggest deal of this sort in a long time and it's the first ever live exclusive deal for a streamer regarding a postseason sporting event michael yeah the nfl which obviously is a huge deal here in america it's the most watched sport they've made a couple of big deals business side uh with their eye on streaming specifically 
Firstly, the much-heralded and loved NFL Sunday ticket that's been carried by DirecTV since the program's inception in 1994. It allows for fans to watch every out-of-market NFL game in full on their actual telecast for a one-time fee. That's been on DirecTV, like I said, for the last 20-some-odd years. Uh, it has a new home in YouTube. YouTube and Google ponied up about $2 billion per year. I think it's for the next seven years for N the NFL package. And it's offering it to consumers as both an add-on to their YouTube TV service or as an a la carte option for people to purchase in the vicinity of about $450 per year if you want to watch your out-of-market NFL games. Uh, that was one big deal the NFL cut. The last one, the one you're mentioning about this uh, Peacock streaming exclusive NFL playoff game, Universal and NBC are paying $111 million for the rights to host the first ever streaming exclusive NFL playoff game. That'll be on January 13th. It's going to be a wild card round nighttime game. Peacock and Universal, or NBC, I should say, also becomes the first network to host three wild card weekend NFL games, as they will have two others on their NBC stations. Uh, and Peacock, along with getting the rights to this playoff game, also procured rights to have uh, the first ever regular season exclusively streamed game as well. That'll be, or at least exclusively on Peacock streamed. Uh, that'll be the 12:23 Saturday night game between the Buffalo Bills and the LA Chargers. So where is this all going? What does this all mean? It's just kind of a look as to uh, how streaming is getting now firmly into the live action and sports genre. Which is propping up cable television right yes. now the cable model we we know this because of the ratings we know this uh because everybody says it and ultimately this forecast for me the infinity war and then the end game for <laughs> the life of cable or the life of streaming or whatever we want to call the streaming wars here because this is this is showing a, a, a major shift uh, uh, that's happening because we've seen sports regular season games going towards some Apple exclusives, some Amazon exclusives. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we've seen Netflix buy up the Screen Actors Guild Awards. It has been in our minds for a while that streaming is going to become a, a major part of the Oscars at some point. So I'm looking at like the infinity war of this is probably where we're heading, and that's all of the cord cutters start to kind of converge towards something similar, whether that's YouTube TV for their cable, right? With a, whatever add-ons they sure. want on whatever platform they want. And by platform, I just mean like, do you have Apple TV? Do you have YouTube TV? Do you have mm -hmm. Amazon Fire Stick, whatever TV do you, because they're not going the cable routes anymore. These cord cutters, the but they they probably need some kind of basic cable package. Many of them, do you? If if they're a sports fan, that is. Do you see that as as the what's coming, or do you see cable sticking it out for much longer than I think? And and they do the add-on packages. They get a they get the streamer bundles. Like when can you bundle Apple, Paramount Plus? Disney, Netflix, HBO Max, etc. Well, then you just, I mean, that's the problem with streaming as it is and all these different networks and stuff is that, like, we've hit the tipping point where it's just cable with under a different name, isn't it? Especially if they go the ad revenue route. Right. Right. However, yeah, it's like definitely, an, especially, yeah. It's like an on demand component for whatever your basic cable package that they keep, right? 
Yeah, ex- unless you add live events and news, which well, do you, is well, here's my what question. streaming's doing. Do you think live events and news goes more towards the Peacock, which you can still get for free, and the freebies, which is Amazon version of that, even though they're just kind of doing reruns? Do you think live events go towards that, or do you think live events goes towards more of the exclusive, you got to pay 70 bucks a month, Hulu Lives and YouTube Lives and Fubos, etc. Because that's where they're at now. Well, I, right? I don't know the answer to that because I don't know who's watching the live events that are on streaming now. This is what we talked about before we hit record. Like the MLB and has a deal with Amazon. They have a deal with Apple. They're showing a game once a week on all these different outlets. And like, not only is it, it has to be diluting the MLB product because it is making it impossible to follow where these games are playing on a weekly basis. Right. First of all, they're not doing a good enough job marketing that. But second of all, like they're, I know they paid like half a billion dollars. I think it was Apple or it was either Amazon or Apple. I can't remember off the top of my head. One of them paid half a billion dollars for the rights to do that, to have extreme, uh, exclusive streaming rights for that one game per week. But like, I don't, who is, are people actually tuning in for that? Is it becoming worth the, the, the money? Is it not? And this is where I get to, I think at some point, streaming, at least if they're going to get into the live event game, they're going to have to release their numbers. Like, they're, they're as an have. FTC thing, they're yeah. going to have, like, you know, and as an SEC type thing, they're going to have to, like, let anyone, let the government know <laughs> who's watching this stuff, if someone's watching this stuff. And they got to pay the writers, but we've, yeah, we've been well, over that. that too. Yeah, yeah, they're going to have to release some numbers and pay their writers, but I think, I think this is a forecast of where things might be going if this is successful i'll tell you what it did for me more than anything is i mean it let the market rate for a nationally broadcast nighttime nfl game be set every sunday night monday night thursday night game the floor for that amount is 111 or 110 million dollars per game right i mean that's the nfl has that now in their pocket and they can negotiate with whoever they want as that as a starting point yeah that's a big number I wonder what the the Oscars number would be if it was available. It's not available. It's a great point. Yeah, it, it's a great it point. It was available, and we we saw SAG get. Well, purchased. there's similarities, right? I mean, the NFL is always in the top ten of broadcast every week, at least in terms of Nielsen ratings. However, antiquated you want to say those are in cable, whatever, blah blah blah. But like, there's there's similarities between you have a market share of at least probably ten percent of homes watching it at one time. It's a live action thing. It's a three hour program, three and a half hour program. Yeah, it's on a prime time is... slot of Sunday night. I mean, there are crossovers. So if the Oscars, the Academy does get out of this deal with ABC, they probably could ask for a hundred million. They're I would a think mid to high end version. Yeah, of that. absolutely, absolutely. So there is that part of it too. But I, I don't, I don't know what this means in terms of. I mean, look, we have some insight, and I, I don't want to say sources, but we know people who, who work for some of these cable companies that say the, the Universal is doing this as a means of kind of hyping up their upcoming new tech that they're going to introduce at one point. Yeah. Someone was telling both of us. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it could be all just to do with that, and it could not be anything indi- indicative about uh, where streaming is going. I don't know. This is It's a really curious time. I know that if cable loses live-action programming, they're screwed. You would think, and yet right? they're unable to, with declining numbers, pay the rising rates. Right. And that's where the streamers are picking up all of these exclusive mm-hmm. rights because the uh, the NFL, the, they're going to start NFL Plus 
right? And that's that's also incorporated in this, so it's not quite as exclusive as you'd think for Peacock. You can still watch this game, I believe, on NFL Plus. Yes, you can. And, yep. and a lot the, of the, the local leagues, markets will have it too. Yeah, a lot of the leagues and even MSG, like my Knicks, are going to start like a thirty dollar a month streaming service for just my Knicks, just for MSG. And, and NFL Plus is going to start some kind of streaming service for M- NFL. And uh, what's included in those streaming services, I don't necessarily know. I think, you know, I just want to watch my Knicks, and I'm not going to pay for Fubo anymore. I'm going to pay for MSG Plus next year sure. and save $50 a month. Sure. Really, I, I split it with my brother last year. We kind of, you know, from under the same moon. But, mm-hmm. you know, still, it's much cheaper for us. I, uh... Uh, like my initial reaction to you saying that is like, yes, of course that's happening, but like that's cable. <laughs> it's just becoming cable. It's, spread it's an out a la carte cable. cable a- absolutely. It's a la carte cable. And it's get, it's getting to the point of capacity where we have to bundle it. Don't right. we? I, well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, so like Apple and, and universal and, and AT&T at one point, like Paramount, they're all pouring hundreds of millions of dollars to differentiate themselves from each other. And like within the, the time span of doing that, they're just going to throw up their hands and say, Hey, let's make nice now. But if they make nice over not paying the writers and they form a super <laughs> conglomerate, you know, super Legion of doom, not to pay the writers. They do get off on screwing over the little guy. So yeah, maybe they will just to, to shake down consumers. Who knows? You could have a point. Can't 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 they come together on something like this? I don't know. I don't know. It's I, I, gonna I, shake it's out. Yeah. Anyway, are we hit, are we, so basically we're like in movie seventeen of the MCU, heading towards <laughs> Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, Roger Goodell's going to snap his fingers and get rid of a couple cable companies. But we're in like the are we in the Thor Ragnarok? era yet no we're not even there yet we're like at uh maybe thor 2 the dark world no we're pat we're in between the thors what's what was right but was ragnarok right before <laughs> infinity war i don't have the wikipedia page open <laughs> we lived it we rewatched it i don't remember maybe dr strange one how about that all right fine deal <laughs> <laughs> see i just love making deals i tried to tell you <laughs> Yes, you do. We'll move into a box office update because we want to cover the fascinating Memorial Day weekend. It's Mm. fascinating because we have top two movies here. We have a top two movies that did very well in one market or one set of markets and very just bad in in another. The Little Mermaid did really well stateside. I think it wound up with 118 plus for its four-day uh, and 95 for its three-day. However, The Little Mermaid did terribly internationally with only 68.3. So that's hmm. a 185-ish total. I wrote down the numbers before they became firm. Sorry about that. But The Little Mermaid, 185 total, probably on a $200 million budget, 250 it might have been. Hmm. So what do, you, what do you make of The Little Mermaid's uh, rake here? Well, let's talk about what it did stateside, at least to, to begin. That's good. That that opening is good for the fifth highest Memorial Day weekend opening of all time. Some of the four names it couldn't beat out are a bit surprising. I'm looking at you, X-Men The Last Stand, and Indiana Jones, and the Don't You Wish I Was As Young Today As, as I Was When You Thought I Was Old Then. Uh, skull. 
Uh, it does, however, Mermaid's opening does beat out Aladdin's domestic opening for Memorial Day weekend 2019. So if you're looking at live-action Disney remake comparison for comparison's sake there, it's doing better than Aladdin's debut did. Just as a means of where Little Mermaid could go, the worst any Memorial Day opener in the top ten did domestically was Solo, which did 213.7 million stateside. That's like the floor, which also led to about 393 million worldwide for Solo. So, I mean, it looks like the worst this is going to do is probably that 400, 500 million dollar range, even with that kind of weak uh, international opening. But you can't say you're not surprised by that international opening. I wonder what markets it hasn't hit yet. I didn't look into that. I wonder if there's some issues. I mean, China obviously has had a lot of. Uh, issues with some American properties lately, and especially when, if any, depict any kind of, like, anything that might suggest or border on a homosexual relationship. I haven't seen The Little Mermaid. You have. I don't know if there's anything like that in this. I don't remember any. I don't remember one. I think okay. this is all race, racially just disgusting. Yeah, there is that! <laughs> I, I think, at the, you know, I think, yeah, I th- unfortunately, uh, as we worried about in the yep. Swell episode, we weren't worried about the film, and the say, film delivers! Just all, yeah. It's Gross. a it's a really Racism good stuff. watch. It's fun. It's excellent. I, I gave it a, a very high review, B plus review last last episode, and yeah, I think we're we're dealing with a lot of a lot of issues in that regard. Solo, by the way, just as a means of like bringing the conversations full circle, also middling scores from both reviewers, from critics and audiences, and it did four hundred million worldwide. Total. So that's domestic and world. Yeah, that was worldwide. 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 Yep. So I wonder what that means in terms of an international rake for uh, the Little Mermaid. I just wonder if there's four quadrant tent poles available to an international audience when the Navi aren't involved. I just. Wonder I mean, is there four the quadrant tent poles domestically anymore? Well, Fast X fell no, off that's a cliff. True. All right, fair Michael. enough. <laughs> Fast X fell off a cliff, so yeah. they fell off the Hoover Dam, but mm-hmm. they didn't land. Twenty-three million dollars for a three-day, twenty-eight-ish million for a four-day from Fast X stateside. They did very well internationally, though. Three ninety-nine, around four hundred million, is the is the rake internationally for five twelve point nine worldwide box office rake right now. But that is a polarizing reception in terms of how it's doing here, which is terrible. Uh, mm. in terms of a 60-something percent drop-off after its first weekend. And then internationally, it, it held very well. And how it stacks up to the rest of the Fast franchise in terms of box office, I think it's already the fifth highest in the franchise. It's about $100 million away from Fast Five's worldwide box office. And if it can get somehow up to $800 million worldwide, it'll become the third highest grossing film in the Fast franchise. Uh, the other two that it wouldn't have beat out both did over $1 billion each. I don't think this one's going to hit the mark. It might. Who knows? The international box office has carried things like this to that prestige before. But if this one gets to $800 million, it'll at least be the third highest grossing in the Fast franchise, and it'll still be a money loser? <laughs> That's the th- crazy thing. Like, even if it does overperform internationally and it gets it gets around $900 million. Yeah. That's still a money loser because its budget ballooned to $340 right. million. Listed. Which, and now they'll they'll make that up, right? In second run PVOD on demand you know, on demand stuff. They'll there's room for that to be yes. not a money loser. And that's why I said at the inst like I don't do you even make that movie to make money on if you're universal at this point? I don't know that you do. Well, 
here's here's what we're not able to 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 know. We're not able to know the second and third run numbers. Yeah. And I, I'm going to get into a story on the Super Mario Brothers from Tom Bergerman at IndieWire in a second to give us hope that the second run is much more robust than we've mm. ever considered in terms of PVOD. However, Fast X and The Little Mermaid, uh, listen to the B.O. Boys podcast, by the way, with a French, friend of the show, uh, Pat Stango there, who he, you know, he's been talking about all of the merchandising along with The Little Mermaid quite a bit in his last episode, just like we did. And there's so much, so many differing revenue streams for The Little Mermaid. Right. Fast X certainly has that as well. So you're right. There's, there's upside for these movies to make up money, but can they make up five? Can Fast X make up five hundred million somewhere? That's what uh, we're not seeing. Yeah, I don't know about that. So that's why Fast X is probably getting a Fast X two, and it's just going to be eleven anyway. Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> has held very well. That got a twenty million dollar three day, uh, and then a twenty five million dollar four day Memorial Day weekend gross. Now we have Fat, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy three. Excuse me up to around 725 worldwide uh, going through Monday there, Michael. So that that's a positive story. That's probably getting over 800 million, which is going to be comparable to the for uh, at least the first film. Yeah, it's, it's going to nestle right into the uh, the Guardian trilogy there, and I think positive word of mouth has carried that. Yeah, we're part of that. It was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The Super Mario Brothers is in fourth, $8 million four-day up to 1.278 billion worldwide. Yes, we predicted this. We we mm. were on this from the very beginning. We we're like, who's not going to go see this? We're all going to go mm-hmm. see it. So yeah, we told you so on that. We're very good at taking credit, or we're terrible <laughs> at it. We're just jerks. I can't. I can't. Anyway, that's for other people Both. to decide. Yes. Here's what I wanted to talk. Well, I wanted to talk about POV PVOD. Yeah. with Super Mario Brothers, but you got something on the worldwide gross first. Well, just talking about where it is, where it sits right now, it's 20th all-time on the worldwide box office grossing chart. It's definitely going to pass Frozen, which is number 19. It's another $25 million away from passing 18th Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which it'll probably do, and it's about $55 million away from passing The Last Jedi at number 17. If it does $70 million more worldwide, it'll be up to number 15th all-time, having passed Black Panther's worldwide rake. So this is uh, in some historic territory right now. So the numbers.com would always chart the dvd and blu-ray sales yeah. right and we would see maybe a hundred million as a big gross for a uh, dvd blu-ray sure. over the life of a couple years in some instances however when you know what do they call it physical media kind of shifted over to electronic media and the pvod and the rental uh markets that happen via streaming we never had those numbers and 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 Tom Bergerman has been trying to delve into these. He's been using context clues. He's been mm-hmm. using all of his sources over there at IndieWire. He does a weekly uh, discussion. He does a weekly piece on the rankings, what they might mean, some numbers that uh, we might be able to pull from these. And he actually gave me a few reminders about PVOD that I should have remembered, but I didn't. Uh, FYI, 1999 transaction give 70% back to the studio. And that's if the studio doesn't run the gosh darn, you know, uh, whatever it is, platform that's releasing on, right? So if it's a 
if it's a Comcast. So if, you, if you have Xfinity and you buy a 1999 rental of Super Mario Brothers movie, well, not Super, but whoever, well, right, uh, Universal. Right, right. That's a but. Yeah, that's a bad example. But it gives yeah. a Fast X. If right. you bought Fast X on Comcast for 25 bucks, I think they get 100 percent of that. Right. Right. It would so, sound that way. If you on the Sony PlayStation, if you bought Super Mario Brothers, there you go. I think that's yeah. Sony. But they might, they might. You know, you might be right. It might be a couple different major studios working together. But ergo, Bruggerman projected its first weekend of PVOD for Super Mario Brothers would net the studio seventy million. Mm. That's a huge number. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. And here's the crazy thing. That number really didn't affect what it did in theaters. Right. I kind of projected the rest of the Evil Dead Rise uh, box office. Evil Dead Rise's box office has kind of gone along my own projections, right? And yet Evil Dead Rise has been very successful on the PBOD charts. So this is, a, this is a, an incentive, let's just say, for why these windows collapsing was very important for studios because... They needed to make up money on the back end for people that wanted to stay home and watch movies, kind of like you have been doing a little bit with the twenty. Yeah, I'm shocked. There's that many people windows. who. I mean, I guess for family films, I'm less shocked. But like for something like Evil Dead, I'm surprised there's that many people that are going to take the dive for like twenty bucks at its pop. It's been second or third, right? And if Mario made seventy million on first for a mm. while there, you got to think that Evil Dead Rise did some pretty darn good numbers even if it was 20 million that's huge yeah so it's it worth it it's worth yeah. it for wb to put it on pvod and allow the box office to wane in just the same way like evil dead rise is now up to 142.4 in terms of its worldwide box office which was kind of the hope regardless it was 140 to 170 where the you know projections via deadline etc it, it basically in a big city. It doesn't matter either because you're paying twenty bucks for the ticket anyway. Right. Well, that's people are doing the calculus. It's not calculus. It's simple math. Actually, <laughs> they're doing the simple math here. They're like, if I take a family or if I take uh, a significant other to the movies, I'm spending fifty bucks. Right. I can make popcorn at home and watch it for twenty bucks. Do a little PVOD and chill. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, nobody gives a <laughs> shit about book club too, but otherwise. Yeah, I mean that's that's I, that's my big takeaway on this on this box office report because I'm reminded of how lucrative PVOD can be. The, I wonder if that's enough to prop up cable too. Like I don't know. It's it we're in a, a interesting endeavor and interesting horizons with what uh, cable is going to be and turn into. Not that you obviously need cable to get your PVOD, but I would be, again, I would like to know the numbers of a breakdown between what percentage of PVOD comes from cable users versus streaming users. Yeah, I I don't know. I, it's not, I wouldn't use the words prop up necessarily, but you're, you're right. It's definitely a, a major revenue stream that is not being <laughs> not being made for public viewing yeah. <laughs> that we don't know about probably should be factored into writers guild deals so I'll just keep needling and, and by dick. the way you said that on uh so a uh, point Bruggerman makes that on these pvod purchases the writers don't get a cut no they do not that is <laughs> insane it's just not worked into their deals like th- that's what that's what they're probably arguing over it's not like what is our percentage of the pie they're arguing about the pie what yeah, is considered I mean, part of the pie? 
there are horror stories of writers who get residuals from broadcast uh, rights of their shows being shown on reruns, and they said there was like the residual check was like twelve hundred dollars compared to their first residual check for when their show hit streaming, and they said it was like fourteen cents. Yeah, it's like not, horror stories like that. Yeah, it, it, it's not propping up to use that term again. Their careers in 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 the lulls yeah, anymore. It's not, it's not even comparable. You're right. It's not it's, even the same ballpark. It's not close. Anyway, we want to get to some Oscar trailers. We're kind of going to do a more rapid-fire version of this, I think, I hope. Mission Impossible (laughs) Dead Reckoning Part 1, Trailer 2. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of punctuation in this title (laughs) and in this trailer segment here. Michael, I love this trailer. I love the fact that we got the head of the CIA guy telling Ethan Hunt what he can't do. Kittredge. Kittredge, He's got to make a choice. I love that. The, the the mantis looks terrifying. I love that she the shot awesome. of Cruz stopping his motorcycle on the cliff's edge is you probably real. real. <laughs> yeah, you know you know it's real. It's probably real. And I love that we're going to get another big train fight. What did you love? An homage to the first MI there where uh, Ethan Hunt's on top of the speeding train in the tunnel. He's got to duck down again. I like that. Yep. Um, here's here's my big takeaway. Yes, Pom Clementoff looks awesome. She plays Mantis in the Guardian series. Vanessa Kirby, like seeing her there. Haley Atwell. Yeah, the women are going to yeah. kick ass in that. Oh, yeah, they are. And, and that's something that the MI series has done pretty well. Is, you know, given the, the female agents, a lot yeah, of agents. Rebecca Ferguson, of course. Yeah. Yep. Um, what is could possibly be the setup to why Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt, needs to make that jump off that cliff with the motorcycle? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how else do you get off a cliff? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what what could possibly be the explanation as to why he needs to enter that village that way? Jungle base, yeah. He's got to get. <laughs> he's got to get on top of. I, I don't. It looks so cool. I mean, Who cares, yeah, of course. Right? It, <laughs> I mean, is that where we are with this now? It just it, like it's, this, the, it's the Fast and Furious. We just want to see cars. We just want to see Tom jump. This is this is not necessarily the Fast X. No, Vin because Diesel. the stories for Mission Impossible have always been awesome. They well, they've well, been most just of them. enough. <laughs> most they've of been them. just yeah. enough, right? Mi two was horrible, <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> why the doves? I don't know. The doves were there. <laughs> anyway, I am so excited for Dead yeah, Reckoning same. Part One. Same, cannot wait. Uh, we'll move into the creator here, <laughs> co-written and directed by Gareth Edwards of the Godzilla movie of Rogue One, starring John David Washington, Gemma Chan, Allison Janney, Ken Watanabe, a great cast, Veronica uh, Ingo. Yes, agree. Described as a post-apocalyptic thriller involving a future impacted by a war between humans and AI, and that's the trailer we saw here, Michael. You're not very high on it. I'm high on the premise. I like the idea that AI, you know, it's not a that far into the future look of how AI becomes too powerful and turns on humans. And yes, it's the Matrix's premise, but that's fine. Um, iRobot. Uh, I guess, amongst other, <laughs> it's every sci-fi premise <laughs> that's ever been made. Um, what are we, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. The VFX looks pretty good. Like sure. they're wearing those bright green skull cappy thingies for mocap or whatever not mocap but for the vfx right everybody's ex machina everybody's ex machina yeah it's always got to be about the one chosen child though doesn't it the kid in the chair yeah 
Uh, like I hope he's not as bad of an actor as he looks to be in this trailer. <laughs> that would be a looper level problem. You say. hate that kid from Looper. I hate that fucking kid. I I hope he never acted again. He <laughs> was awful. He ruined the movie. He ruined an awesome movie. Ryan Johnson, you failed to cast a good actor in that gosh darn awesome movie. You're so positive all the time about everything having to do with movies, but when it comes to that child. <laughs> I only punch up, except when it's at a child actor who I despise. Yes. Then I punch down. Um, I'm with you on this. I'm a monster. I don't, I don't, I I have, I couldn't have less interest in seeing this movie. Does it do anything for you? Well, it fills kind of a late September big. That was the cherry on the shit Sunday for me of this. Seeing the release date of like September 29th. I was like, ah, Uh, you used it as confirmation. Yes. I used it as, all right, we need like the end of September. The college kids will go to the movies. They'll see a big VFX play kind of. So it's probably not an Oscar contender except for VFX. But at least now there's some box office potential for the creator. Did 65 do well at the box office? Ugh, come on, don't don't put don't put this on sixty five. Well, I'm just I'm just saying. I mean, it's sixty million dollar box office on uh, for sixty five worldwide. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of what it reminds. Had the same suits, guns, futuristic type thing. Uh-huh. Eh. But sixty five was supposed to be like Halo versus dinosaurs versus After Earth. Yeah, Shyamalan. What's this? <laughs> Take out dinosaurs. Isn't the same thing? Robots. Yeah. All right, we're we're. We have Being a weird trolls. order for these trailers. I don't. I just. It's just schmattering if there ever was one. Problemista. This is uh, a plot premise from A24 that reads: Alejandro is an aspiring toy designer from El Salvador, struggling to bring his unusual ideas to life in New York. As time runs out on his work visa, a job assisting an erratic art world outcast becomes his only hope to stay in the country. Written, directed, and starring Julio Torres, Problemista also has Tilda Swinton in that aforementioned role Mm. as the erratic art world outcast. How fast do you think Tilda Swinton said yes to this role? This is a great Cruella de Vil type (laughs) role here for a potential horrible boss level uh, nightmare like mm-hmm. the devil wears Prada, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But Julio Torres, you know, uh, triple threat here, acting off of her. Here's the yeah. problem with this trailer: it's not funny. Did you laugh? I didn't laugh. Uh, I know was funny. To be, was it supposed to be funny? It's a comedy, isn't it? I Is don't know. It? I don't, I don't know. know. I thought it was like kind of a a slice of life type thing. Okay, I, that's I, so, so. I'm interested in Problemista. I want to see it. It's it's something I will see on my AMCA list. Does she have supernatural powers? <laughs> like her eyes glowed red, right? Really? Well, Maybe they're yeah, on drugs. Tri- like I don't remember. I don't know. I'm not sure. I know what's going on in this movie at all. I don't think she has super. Maybe maybe that's a bad trip. Okay, fair enough. But it's intriguing. It's an intriguing trailer. Sure. You're right, but not for comedic reasons. For dramatic ones, I would say. Right. Yeah, and I wouldn't say for comedic. Certainly not. But he did write for SNL, so I'm sure there's going to be something. He looks like a young Dimitri Martin, by the way. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. We're caught in time. Earth Mama, <laughs> another A24 play. This was the new director's new film's opening film there, and uh, written and directed by Savannah Leaf, starring Tia Namore, or Namore, excuse me, uh, 81 Metascore, 
an intimate coming-of-age story of a pregnant single mother who embraces her Bay Area community as she determines the fate of her family. Michael, Earth Mama trailer had some I, hazy cinematography that was like haunting, but this was like the greatest usage of critical pull quotes to intrigue me into a movie that I've seen in a while. Good. From a trailer. So this Heavy. is... Yeah, it essentially boils down to a, like a, a young pregnant woman considering giving her baby up for adoption, and it, it, it's a harrowing story in that regard. I, I almost went to New York to see this at New Director's New Films. I just couldn't make free that night, so I'm, I'm excited to see Earth Mama. Early 7.8, only 30 reviews, though, on IMDb. But, yeah, this is a very, very heavy trailer to watch. Right. Uh, Nimona, just kind of a teaser for this Netflix animated film with a voice cast of Chloe Grace Moretz, Riz, Riz Ahmed, Julio Torres. Michael, this film, somebody I know pro- projected it, <laughs> predicted it in Best Animated Feature. What was he thinking? Because this seems like kind of a, just a fun, goofy... Like, why is she a shapeshifter? Bad guy who's going to be the hero in the movie, but shape-shifting? Why the shape-shifting? <laughs> well, it worked for Turning Red. Yeah, but they, you shape-shifted into one thing, a beautiful bear. <laughs> it was just perfect for animation purposes, and actually, you stayed thematically coherent. Nimona is shape-shifting into any beast imaginable to just torment these, I'm sure, torrid royalty princess in the castle type yeah, she's a kid using her imagination who doesn't want to be put into a box of uh, the stereotypical little girl's fantasy stuff i like that i agree i don't think it like it definitely seems more like just a i, I just uh, definitely there but it, it definitely seems more <laughs> like a, a family fun movie for netflix than it does anything like okay. you know pixar level but I, it looked fun june 30th uh the animation looks good so you never know maybe i can and it's a Hail Mary at this point, but uh, I've done worse. I predicted the Emoji movie, or no, I'm sorry. What was the the singing <laughs> squids and shit? What the hell? Did, not the Emoji movie. I predicted a dumbass bit for animated feature. I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the name of it. It was, it was the, basically the, the knockoff Emoji movie. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to The Flash. They did a final trailer. This will be our final trailer review here. And all I could think of is, like, Uncle Mike, why is the movie called The Flash when all we see in the trailers is old Batman, (laughs) young Supergirl? Kids, gather around. I'll tell you the meaning of the word allegation. Uh, I I hate how much I want to see this. I I can't support it. I don't want to see it. I I don't think I will see it in theaters. But, God, they're doing everything. It's great marketing. It's great marketing. Disgusting Sasloth. Yeah. I uh, was reading. I was reading articles on just the timeline of Ezra Miller and their, uh, you know, issues and run-ins with the law. It's just. I mean, it's just the person who who needs guidance. It's just sad. Yeah. You know? Look the the VFX in this trailer. Yeah, we've been over the Ezra Miller stuff. I, I don't. I don't know what to make yeah, of it. Yeah, it's just, yeah. just sickening. The VFX in this movie look next level in, in these latest trailers, I would say. Like, the slow-mo flash stuff. Like, yeah, I think this is awesome. getting nominated. This looks better than, I think, any DC movie, at least in terms of trailer stuff, than, like, any DC movie was marketed to look. Shazam! Fear of the Gods might be the low point of the DC EU. I, I have to say. That was one of the worst watches I've ever had in the a Rock long time. The Rock doesn't lose, man. Time. 
Yeah, he's, for he's how not bad, the worst. <laughs> for how bad Black Adam was, Zachary Levi takes all these shots at The Rock, and then his movie woefully underperforms Black Adam. It's crazy. Ugh, that was awful. I, you know, I've been avoiding that movie for a while. I watched it on it on Max for the rollout, which was fine. I, I th- you know, thank you, Max, for giving us a lot more stuff. But ugh, terrible. We haven't commented on that. You like the Mac, the, the Max? I, I don't hate it. I mean, there's so much. There's a lot more there. I mean, you can, you can watch Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives now, in, on loop. That's why I turn into HBO. <laughs> I cannot watch my Bigfoot shows. It, it 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 just blows my mind how you can become the CEO of all things HBO and want to dilute that brand. For how much good... I was watching something that said HBO spends like $2 billion a year on content, whereas Netflix spends $17 billion, and everybody talks about like Succession and Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon, and Netflix would kill to have that kind of word of mouth. Yeah. And you're diluting it. You're totally doing away. You're, you're minimizing the impact of HBO's brand value. It's crazy. It's still a... What, what you would call it, a... What do they call those things? Like a, a cobblestone? It's still a stone in the... A tile. It's still a tile. <laughs> End of the episode. Words escape me. <laughs> it's still a tile on the service, just like all their brands are. But just like Discovery is, and Discovery and TLC and all the reality show networks, that's where he comes from, Zasloff. So that's I why know, he's diluting I know. It. It's, it's... I don't... But <laughs> apples to apples... HBO Max had far more subscribers than Discovery. I don't, I just, nothing about it makes sense to well, me from a business we standpoint. S- we see him sticking his foot in his mouth and getting booed at the commencement speeches at Boston University. We see him kind of committing one faux pas after another on social media via his can parties. Uh, yeah. Listen to the towns and Matt Bellany yeah. there kind of chronicling how Zaslav has become the villain of this writer's strike now. We've but he also liked the seen. Idol. But but look at we've also seen a major conglomerate CEO in the entertainment business coming from another side of the business that wasn't entertainment, like the Parks guy. What was his name in Disney? Get ousted uh, for yeah, yeah, yeah. the return of the conquering hero, who is a big uh, artist. Bob Iger uh, there. Yeah. Bob Iger, art pro artist guy. We've seen that happen, right? So I don't know Zasloff. He's got to stop doing these this stupid shit that gets killed. <laughs> I mean, it's been bungled. There's no. I mean, you can't. I mean, the Max Rowan has totally been bungled. It's been getting killed on social media. Really? Yeah. From what I've seen, anyway. But yeah, not a uh, and and podcast. Not a lot of fans of it. But well, whatever. I just wonder what the Flash is going to do. Is it going to be Shazam, Black Adam levels of of problematic? People are just not invested when it's not connected to the cinematic universe. Is that a dire but it prognostication? Is, isn't it? Like this is going to be this is the kickoff. No, this is this why is... they haven't canceled it, right? No, this is this not, is going to be no. the great DC reset, isn't it? Isn't that what James when said? you when you actually watch how that plays out? You're going to be like, that's it. It's no, Probably. it's not really. It's I mean, I've watched the story on on, on HBO Max back when it was HBO yeah, but Max. Maybe they changed Black, it. I, 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 I'm not. I don't want it to be good. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm just the whole thing upsets me. Yeah, well, I don't want it to fail. But like, people we trust says it's pretty good. It's not love great. Michael Keaton, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Ugh. makes me just gives me a bad feeling in my tummy. Yeah, I don't disagree. Look at let's let's finish this episode with a very quick make the case because we've been watching a lot of TV. I just want to bang the table and applaud 
Barry and the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, I've absolutely loved their final seasons. Good. We're both going to talk about Succession in a second here. Mm-hmm. I do want to just lament. Like, I'm so upset. I watched all of I Think You Should Leave Season 3 last night. That is an abomination. They rushed no. it. I hate to say it. It's no. painfully unfunny. I'm devastated. There's not no. one sketch. There's not one sketch on the level of some sketches that we had last year. I mean, there's a couple funny sketches. Don't get me wrong. Stop it. But it is, like, you have to go through miles of shit. <laughs> like, uh, like, hours of crap where he's just, like, for whatever reason, always yelling and screaming. Like, <laughs> somebody told him that was funny when he yelled and screamed. Oh, so I see. I see what's the problem here. always yelling and screaming. So and it's I too much, it, 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 it passes the noise threshold. Tim Robinson passed the noise threshold yeah. with me. He is now Honeyland. Yeah. <laughs> he is now... You a white cacophony, <laughs> a cacophony of yelling and screaming, yeah. and I'm mad at him. I'm very mad yeah. at him. It's truly yeah. painful. Okay, so it could have been funny. You just shut it off, like you were mentally. Shut I watched down the whole it. thing, and I didn't yeah, laugh. Me, I you, stood, you didn't like it. You, you were like, it's too loud. You went in negatively about it. It got loud, and I was yeah. negative. Yeah, okay. I reacted negatively to the loudness. I was very angry. <laughs> okay, that's so right. what that's happened? Right. Is, is, it, is this me being old now? But I mean, I asked well, my brother. Well, everyone has their like, things. Like you, my you brother, just don't like. You didn't like Uncut. You thought Uncut Gems wasn't good because it was too like it was, you know. That was way just... too loud. <laughs> this that's not a, this is not a subjective thing. That was too well, loud. <laughs> you hold you hold that you hold that against uh, movies sometimes. And I do. Shows, I do. It's too it's loud. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. So we're both watching Succession. Yes. Where are you now? I'm at. I'm through the fourth episode of season four. I think I finished the second. I'm either on the second or third of season four. Oh I wow! You're you're, you're gonna blow my by yeah. by me, as I'm having to watch it with my dad on weekends. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna slowly catch up. So no spoilers going forward for me, please. But I'm loving it. You you got to be you got to be into. I mean, it. season three was WWE. I told you I, it is exactly what I think happened behind the scenes. The WWE, which is crazy <laughs> to me, and that's because of the interfamily squabble between the McMahons, right? Yeah, and how it played out, and how the father wrestled hold back from the ch- like. I am convinced that Vince watched season three of Succession after his quote unquote retirement, and was like, "Oh, I still have a move left here." <laughs> and <laughs> then he did that and yeah. screwed his kids. Yeah, you're not really spoiling anything because no. you haven't seen the rest of it. So, and neither am I. I, I so it does it play out like the WWE at the end of the day? You'll have to watch and see, right. kids. But I think uh, there's a state. Where I, 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 from what I can gather, that's true with Triple H being involved in everything. Yeah. That's wild. Right. Exactly. I love exactly. it though. It's so, f- God, it's so good. So I, we got to catch up on that. So it's, it's, it's great, but like, is it all time TV? I don't know if it's all time TV. I think it's relatively dated. However, it's very satisfying. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'd agree. I agree wholeheartedly with all that. Yeah. I don't think it's like, like, I don't get the feeling about it like I did with Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or even mm-hmm. The Wire. Like, The Wire I binged, too, because I had it on DVD back in the day. But I, st- I still felt different. I was like, I felt like I was watching something special. This is, I mean, it's special, but in a different way. I am not as engaged in, I was not in, as engaged with all the speculation about Breaking Bad or Succession. You know it's going to be a train wreck. You know it's going to, I mean, going in, you know it. 
Mm. Like Game of Thrones and The Sopranos was like we could have started podcasts about those two things because we were I was so in the know about Game of Thrones. We were both watching The Sopranos back in the day. Yeah, like there those were, I mean, two grabbed me more than anything. And uh, I wonder too if that was uh, a mark about like weekly television watching because like The Sopranos, there were like. I remember, like, days of, like, talk radio out of New York where they would, like, put whole segments into, like, oh, the season finale is coming up. Who's getting whacked? Who's going to be the guy that gets whacked? Who gets whacked this year? You know what I mean? And, like, you don't have that kind of anymore. In the dorms, it was constant conversation for us. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. That doesn't necessarily exist anymore. But I do think, like, it exists to an extent with, like, Stranger Things in the classroom with all these kids. Mm. They're all okay. talking about that all the time, so okay. to a lesser extent. But that's like, you know, you're either in on the conversation or you're out because you binged it fast enough or you didn't. And right. the conversation doesn't linger throughout like months span of time, like they do with the obviously. Like the there week was the big looming question all over social media going into this past Sunday about like you know who comes out and wins the series of Succession and without giving too much yeah away. there was there was but it wasn't it wasn't like a didn't feel like it gripped the nation right i didn't feel like i got spoiled either yet yeah me i either. don't know about you so it did well i kind of did but that's all right did you ah yeah i don't don't tell me don't 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 I, bring I me I into the quicksand but for me you. it's not even about the what it's about the how anyway i'm more yeah. i'm more about the story yeah, I don't disagree with that. So yeah, Succession, Barry, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I gotta get it. So Barry, you didn't like Barry season three, you, but it gave you a satisfying ending. I, I loved season four. Okay, good. I, I loved I gotta, it. I, there's obviously one thread that I don't get, but I'm glad he let it left it ambiguous, and I don't care. Okay. And then Marvelous Mrs. Maisel was a, a just a joy the whole season. So. It, uh, yeah, I, I'm de- I'm desperate for Ted Lasso to be good. I haven't watched the final episode yet. Episode the penultimate episode was absolutely terrific in my opinion. Good, good. So that that, that, that season that rebounded. Year. Yeah, it, this final season's been up and down. There was a definite lull, but I'm loving how it's finishing up. I hope. I so what's like? I we got to wrap up here, but like we're running out of like tentpole shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, it had something to do with the, you know, the the Emmys dates. Like this is the end of the qualifying. But they're all. But I mean, like the rap. Like Barry's done now. Succession is done now. Maisel is done now. Stranger Things only has one season left. Like, there's no like. <laughs> what's the next show? <laughs> Lasso's mean, done. House of the Dragon. Shut up. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Shut up. What can I watch? <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Did you finish Better Call Saul? I have to watch the, the second part of the last Cause season. Because I, I never yet. finished that. I'm going to watch yeah. that. People love Severance. I only got halfway That's through. That's true, I, was, yeah. I keep People telling like myself I'm going to go back to Severance. Um, That was supposed to be very engaging. I tried Silo. I didn't like it. I, I, I kind of like is. Platonic, but it's getting very awkward. It sounds like you're just saying words. Like, are these real shows? What's Platonic? These, those two are Apple TV, Platonic okay. and uh, and uh, Silo. Silo's Rebecca Ferguson. I'm so far behind on Apple TV because my remote doesn't work, and I haven't replaced it yet. You know what I'm behind on, too? Yellow Jackets. I loved season oh, I one. I have of, to watch that. Season one of Yellow that. Jackets was awesome, and then season two is out, and I haven't watched a 
I watched 10 minutes of it. And I'm like, oh, this is good, but I just can't engage right now. Mm. I, was, I was in that mode. I forget what it was. So I have to. But I'm like, oh, I love it. But I, I got to come back to it. And hey, shout out to The Hollywood Reporter, too, because they have to put out like these immediate reaction and think pieces and interviews and stuff once these season finales are over. Mm. And they've done a decent enough job. I mean, I know this is something we've complained about that not enough outlets do it, but I think THR specifically has done a decent enough job of being like really tongue in cheek with headlines to like let you not spoil anything for you if you haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Because like everything's I, I like appreciate it too. on that se- on that twist in the finale of Yellow Jackets. You know, it's been like there, you know, Melanie Linsky on that twist in the season finale i think that's a good job too that, that is good i'm, I'm intrigued yeah. the, the white lotus is another one i watched season one i haven't watched season two have you watched any white lotus no i gotta get into that maybe See, that'll yeah. come back yeah, is that I've gonna come back i think so right i have no idea i, I know i'm in love with Haley lou richardson i don't know either i just i don't we're, we're not mike mike and emmy but it's true for two days a year <laughs> nomination day and then emmy recap day yeah Wow, so this Emmys is going to be Succession against Maisel against Barry, huh? I, I, don't, I don't know. All uh, their last seasons. Huh? Well, Maisel's comedy, Succession. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. Maisel, Lasso, oh, yeah. Abbott yeah. Elementary, right? Mm. And then is Barry in there too? Holy crap. Good question. Yeah, you would think Succession. I don't know. We're the not the side. Emmys, guys. We're not the nope. Emmys. That's not us. <laughs> <laughs> I like this Emmy version of Make the Case, though. That was fun. Yeah. There you go. Uh, we will wrap up here, dear listener. As always, we want to know your thoughts. Do you have any thoughts about what the TV show I can watch next is? Let me know. <laughs> as well as any other thoughts about anything we talked about in this episode, uh, any of the trailers, any of the fallout from Cannes or the industry news here. Uh, you can leave us all those thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, or any you have about anything else we do here at the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MMO and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify apps, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Michael, you've uh, hinted at what's coming next. Remind the good people what's next from us and let's have some words of wisdom. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is probably our next episode. Past lives will follow in the coming weeks when that comes to Connecticut. Please don't come to Connecticut yeah, soon. for real. Uh, Tribeca, we have the uh, Tribeca Film Festival that we'll, we'll do a couple episodes on in terms mm-hmm. of coverage. I'm going to a couple really loaded days of Tribeca, and I'm going to meet up with a, a buddy of ours, friend of the show, yeah. Scott Yeager, knock on wood, uh, of uh, Challenge Mania. So make sure you're listening to Challenge Mania with Scott there, and uh, hopefully he and I could do a show on that. Again, knock on wood. Uh, dare I say it, the words of wisdom today, it seems like Hollywood's back to normal, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> in not not in a good way. In and both screwing, ways. And screwing over the little guy. <laughs> and screwing over the little guy and being, you know, lucrative on, on many streams of revenue. Mm. PBO did, blah, blah, blah. Successful and failing tentpole movies. We have labor issues. We have tons of Cannes Film Festival hype. Too much hype. We have uh, early Oscar frontrunners. And we have lots of uh, movies and, you know, to review and preview during our MMO summer here. Mm. Yeah. Right? Well, Back to normal. I mean, there's the good side of that. Sure. Yeah. The content, it seems to be uh, back to normal and hitting the zeitgeist. It's one big cluster, you know what. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again. It, it leads us to, to movies like The Creator. Uh, <laughs> how much money would you pay me to sit through The Creator? Why do I have... Again, why am no, I... No, sincerely, I want to know. How much would you, out of your pocket, pay me to sit through The Creator? 
<sighs> Why would I want you to sit through the creator? <laughs> like, what's Torture? in it for me? Schadenfreude? As... <laughs> This is gonna. This is gonna be me giving you like five bucks. All right, five bucks is my limit. No, I have no, to give you five bucks it. to go to see the creator. Which is not even gonna it. pay for your whole ticket. I won't do it. I refuse. I'm a man of principle. I can't be bought by a pittance. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come be bought for a pittance with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you very you soon. You said you couldn't be bought, and now you just said I could. Well, you could be bought, but not for a pittance. That's right. I'm a man of principle. See ya. <laughs>